This is Melissa Milner. Welcome to the Teacher Eyes Podcast. The goal of this weekly podcast is to help you explore your passions and learn from others in education and beyond to better your teaching. The Teacher Eyes will highlight uncommon parallels to teaching as well as share practical ideas for the classroom. Zooming in. This is a zooming in episode where I zoom in on something that I'm interested in right now. In this zooming in episode, I interviewed Jack Mangan. Jack was a successful podcaster for years, is a journalist, and now is also collaborating to create a graphic novel based on a heavy metal song. As the interview went on, I realized that this was not just about creative writing for graphic novels and comic books. The theme that emerged was the power of creative collaboration. Make sure to check out Jack's guest blog post on my website about just this topic, collaboration. Enjoy my interview with Jack Mangan. Welcome, Jack. Thanks for taking the time out to talk to me. Thanks so much for having me on. That's really exciting. So what do you want the teacher as listeners to know about you? That's a loaded question. I guess what we'll start with um, for the year 2020, my primary focus has been on or create my a team. I'm working with a team to create a comic book based on the kind of a classic hard rock heavy metal song called Am I Evil? Uh, the, the huge band Metallica made it really famous, uh, but it was a cover of a band called Diamond Head did the original version. And it's really a, it's an incredible song. And, and you know, for the snobs out there among us, uh, it's, it's actually a huge, the whole opening section is based on Gustav Holst's Mars, the bringer of war. Um, but of course, it's still a fun, rocking, hard rocking, heavy metal song. And the story in the song is actually about, it begins with the lines, my mother was a witch, she was burned alive. So it's about his revenge, our, our narrator's revenge on the people who burned his mother for being a witch. Uh, it's a fun song, and, and I always thought there was a great story in there. I spoke, actually, as a, I'm a journalist, also write for a website called MetalAsylum.net. I'm also involved with the Metal Hall of Fame. So I spoke with this, the original songwriters and got their permission to, to create something. You know, I, we talked about it, and we decided the comic graphic novel format was probably the best way to retell that story. But yeah, like I said, I've been around writing for a long time. I've been around podcasting for a long time. Uh, yeah, can you tell us more about that? More, more about your writing experience and podcasting experience? Sure, no, I, I would love to. In fact, they kind of coalesced because in uh, the year 2005, I was just kind of breaking into the writing world and I uh, had a couple of you know, small publication successes. And I, I learned about this thing and kind of became part of this, this group of people who were... Uh, creating podcast fiction in 2005 that's a long time ago <laughs> you know podcasts are still <laughs> yeah uh, a very new thing so i mean this is a new thing that's being done and i cannot can make no claims to being the first but i was among the first wave um there are a couple of people t morris is one scott sigler is another uh both of them have, and mer lafferty is another one and the three of them have become really big name writers mer lafferty wrote a star wars an official star wars novel wow you know, these were great people to call peers and friends. And uh, so I was part of that first wave of podcast novelists. I wrote my, uh, my novel. It was called Spherical Tomy. It was a science fiction story, uh, novel, and it was published as, you know, a print, a print book and also as, a, uh, as in podcast form, basically audio fiction. Uh, so that's, you know, that's kind of an exciting thing from my past that I've, I've been a part of. And it's been exciting to kind of see my friends and peers kind of hit the stratosphere. Well, I kind of <laughs> took a sideline for a bit to just focus on you know, offline stuff, family stuff and that kind of stuff. But, uh, but it's been, as I say, it's been 
wonderful watching these these people kind of hit the stratosphere of, in the writing world, hit, hit bestseller lists, and sign big deals. So that's uh, that's a little bit of my past. Yeah. So you you mentioned it seems like you have a passion for metal music. You did some like journalism work there. I do. Yeah. I, I've um, I worked. Now, this is also going to reveal my age. My college job was working at a Sam Goody record store. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's music is the passion. But yeah, heavy metal is what I grew up with. And it's something I've never really dropped. I've certainly gotten into uh, basically you name the, the music form. And, and uh, you know, I, we, I would love to talk to you about, about Carmen. You know, it's my favorite opera. But I also really, heavy metal has always been uh, what I grew up with. And I still love it. I still really appreciate the music and, and there's some great, there's some, so many amazing artists there. And so, yeah, I, I do writing for metalasylum.net is primarily what I've been writing for, but I'm also involved with the metal hall of fame, which is kind of a big and prestigious organization. That's an honor. Uh, and yeah, I do basically music reviews and I do uh, interviews with, with, you know, large scale artists and people in, in that world. And just, you know, I do concert. I, well, when there are concerts, right. I've done concert <laughs> photography and concert oh. concert writing. So oh, wow. kind of, yeah, that's been fun too. Renaissance man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I keep busy for sure. That's great. That's <laughs> great. So, you know, being able to take that, you know, the passion for the music and use it in your writing. And I mean, obviously, you know, this is a show for teachers and it, it's so important to help students find their passions because then the writing and the work becomes easy because it's, within something that they're really passionate about. So project-based learning and things like that is, you know, really helping kids find out what they're really interested in. So it sounds like you've been doing that your whole life. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, I there's a Kurt Vonnegut quote that I love, and I'm not going to say it word for word. So Vonnegut fans, please forgive me. But basically, he a teacher asked him to send a letter to the students, and he basically told the students, you know, don't don't feel like, don't, don't have the attitude that I'm not good enough. Oh, I wrote something and it's bad. So just write anything. And I think he, he assigned the, the kids. He said, here's my assignment to you is write a poem about how funny your teacher looks, <laughs> which I think is great advice is that you know, there's a lot of us, we get started and we, you know, our, our early stuff is not, it's not good. That's the fact of life. No one sits down to write their first thing and have it be a, a masterpiece. So I think that's an important thing is to just love what you're doing, do it for the love of it. Um, don't do it with, you know, dreaming of big bucks. Just do it for the love of it. Right. You know, when you're doing the journalism writing and then you shift to this creative storytelling, do you use some of your storytelling in your journalistic writing? Do you find that it helps you? Yeah, that's a good question. I, and I, I think I, I do. It, it's a lot of the same muscles are used because, as you know, as a writer, you're always kind of searching for the right word and trying to resist going to thesaurus.com. Um, but <laughs> I uh, I do try to uh, to use the same muscles. Yes, for journalism. I mean, obviously, I I'm not making things up out of uh, out of thin air for for journalism. So obviously, right. You know, you're kind of beholden to the truth much more so, much more in in your journalism. And also, no matter what I'm writing about, even if I have an unfavorable view of what I'm writing about, I want to be fair to the subject. Because fiction, you know, your characters are your own, and you can be as unfair to them as you like. That's true. <laughs> so do you see any parallels to the work you do and what teachers do? I think there are certainly some. I think I have actually had, and I, you know, I'm, I'm a father, so I've also seen teachers whose, um, whose writing skills are not the best. Yeah. But I think, 
I think, you know, one of the things, and I have some friends who have been teachers and I have a tremendous respect for them. And, and one of my friends, uh, one of my good friends has, has talked about his lesson plans for the year and, and his excitement for it. And that to me seems familiar to a writing project because, you know, you, you have to really think about, you have to think forward. It's, it's a little bit of a chess game. You have to think, you have to see a lot of moves ahead. And so the way that I think the best teachers do their plans for the year and the way they, they have to be creative, I think there's absolutely that's probably the best parallel that I can, I can point to. Of course, there are others, but uh, that's probably the, the number one that I, would, that I would point to. Yeah, that makes sense. I think the value in the work you do related to teachers is what the teachers are expecting the kids to do, they should also be willing to do. So, you know, if I'm going to be telling kids that they're going to be writing narrative stories, I better be doing it too. And, you know, and then sharing it and, and sharing oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to read this to you. This is really bad, guys. <laughs> I know it's bad. I want you to help me with it. You know, like, like you, but like, if you're not, if the teacher isn't doing the writing along with the kids, I, you know, it's, I don't, I don't think they learn as much. Well, I, again, as a, as a parent, and of course I remember being in, in school and in college and, and in high school. And, and yeah, that, that lends a lot of credibility. If you kind of feel like a lot of kids have the feeling that, you know, it's us against them with, with, you know, regards to the classroom and the teachers, but it's, that's a great way to kind of counteract that, that feeling. Yeah. And it also, it's very hard for a teacher to model working on your work and, you know, it's not, it's never done. And it's much more powerful to see the teacher saying, Oh, Oh, I thought that was my last revision, but you know what? I think I need to change this and this and this and, it's that, you know, you can't model it if you're not doing it yourself, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely believe that. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so in all the work you've done, what's your proudest moment? Well, I'll try to keep it concise. I have, uh, there have been a lot of great moments. Um, I, some of the things that come to mind are, well, you know, maybe this is a little bit of a superficial thing. So I'll get the superficial one out of the way and then I'll get ones with actual, when I lose everyone <laughs> is that, you know, the, as I said, that my the book Spherical Tommy was one of, among that first wave of of um, podcast novels and podcast fiction, and there was a actually a dedicated site called PatioBooks.com. It's been converted now to Scribble.com, but it's uh, but my book actually did, it debuted at number one on that site, which was really a proud thing. Um, was, wow! So that was kind of a cool thing. Um, but like I said that's a little bit superficial. I, I guess I, I was really proud, most proud of you know the response that I got from that. Uh, you know, my own, and aside from the writing, you know, I, I did run my own podcast for just shy of 10 years and built up a community around that of great people who we, I faded the podcast ended around 2014, but the, that group of people are still in touch. We've still been doing yearly, yearly, you know, meetups of the, the listeners around the podcast. So that really makes me proud to see the, you know, there's connections and these people who become friends completely independent of me, you know, they met through my podcast and their friends. I've seen relationships, romantic relationships formed through people who are connected just through listening to my podcast. So that's wow. something. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. that, yeah. I'm very, I'm very proud of that too. I think that's, that's been a great thing. Um, but yeah, as far as just personal achievements, you know, I am, as I say, I'm proud of, uh, there was a podcast I was a part of when I left that some of the listeners basically recorded and put together a farewell to me. That was really touching. It was really, really, you know, it was really a nice thing. You know, I had to move across the country so I couldn't be on it anymore. And, and, but it was a really wonderful thing. But as far as just personal achievements, I'd say, you know, it was, it was great to get that first book published. Uh, And, you know, I've been invited to do some, 
some some friends have who have their own cinematic universes. I should say, not cinematic, not literally, <laughs> cinematic, but their own universes um, have asked me to contribute some stories, and I'm very proud to have been invited and to. Have, I'm proud of the work I did with them. There's uh, the two I'll name very quickly is as a for the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences by T. Morris and Pip <laughs> Valentine. It's a wonderful series of books. And they asked me to participate in their world. And I contributed two short stories to their, their world. It's a steampunk setting, but it's about, uh, you know, these two, these two investigators. And I was able to, con- you know, contribute to their world. And even, I even created some things in my story that they loved so much that they went on and used in their, some of the later novels. So was, that was really something. Great. Wow. And then uh, the other one I'm very proud of was P- uh, an author named P.G. Holyfield, who unfortunately is no longer with us. But he uh, he also invited a lot of us to collaborate in his world, and I was very proud of the story I wrote for uh, for for his world as well, uh, which came out in a and you know it went after after he passed on. We we friends of his put out a, a compilation of uh, of these stories and other other essays of his and writings about him, and it's very proud to be included in that as well. So those. That's the tip of the iceberg, but again, I'll, I'll stop there because I think that's uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. From what you said, it's got a few more questions in my mind. The first one is, it sounds like throughout your work through the past years, there's been a lot of collaboration. And when you're collaborating, you have to fit into what they, it sounds like what you were just saying is they already had the structure and you had to fit your writing into that structure, right? Right. It's, um, I guess I would say for people who are, who aren't familiar with those properties, if imagine if you were invited to write for Star Trek, you know, you couldn't just have wizards and dragons right. and that kind of thing. You'd have to, you'd have to make sure that it fits in with everything. And also I think in those cases, and actually this fits, this ties in nicely to, to Am I Evil? Because this is another world where I didn't create the story. It was created by these songwriters, you know, uh, many years ago. So I want to make sure that it fits with the narrative and that, you know, that they're happy with the vision and the, and, and the, the world of it. Right. Uh, you know, I'm not just going to say, Hey, I'm just going to throw a werewolf in out of nowhere and say, wait a minute. <laughs> that was, we never had that thought. So that's, that's a, a big part of it. Right. Yeah, um, and who your audience is and what they're expecting. Yeah. It's very like the, the sticking with the genre and the, the tropes that are already set up. Right. No, that, that's an excellent point. Too. Yeah. Have you done any writing where, well, probably your review writing, where it's all you. You don't have to fit into any genre. You can decide the tropes or whatever. You can decide the story. Have you done that kind of writing? Yes. Um, you know, again, as, as a, a creative writer over the years, I've, you know, one of my, we've talked a little bit about science fiction, heavy metal. One My favorite prose writer, my favorite, one of my favorite novelists of all time is John Steinbeck who obviously, yes. <laughs> you know, is, is, I just, I just think he's one of those people who can write a paragraph and I'm, I'm glued to the page. Right. And uh, so I've written, I mean, I've mainly, I, I think, been tied to speculative fiction, but you know, that's, I've certainly done a fair bit of that in my creative writing, my own independent creative writing where, I, yeah, I'm not, I, I can kind of set the rules and change the rules as I need them to, as I need them for the world. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Like I think about, again, tying it to the classroom there are different reasons to be writing, different audiences. Who do you, who's going to be reading this? Who's your target audience? And how do you need to, you know, are you entertaining? Well, then great. You can go crazy with a fiction story and understanding that the idea of writing is to be heard and tell stories or persuade or inform and that there's kind of rules that sort of go with it, but then you can break the rules. <laughs> 
Right. But I, I mean, I think one of the classic uh, rules, I guess, for lack of a better term, is that you really kind of need to know the rules before you can break them. Same with musicians. You know, you really need to know how to play before you start improvising or making noise. You need to know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well said. <laughs> um so I know you're zooming in on your new project. Do you want to tell us more about it? Sure. As I said, it's based on the classic uh, Diamond Head and heavy metal uh, Metallica song called Am I Evil? And it, it is a story of uh, a young man who, you know, has this, this horrible thing happen and gets revenge. There's some, there is some fun with it. And as I've spoken with my team about, we're, there's some fun. It's sure, it's a fun kind of hack and slash story, but there's also some great stuff in there where, you know, in the chorus of the song, you know, the, the name of the song is Am I Evil? So it's wonderful. You know, I think there's something in there. Of course, in the song, he answers right away with, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. So that kind of takes the ambiguity out of it. But there's still some great, you know, reflective moments there. So I think that's, you know, we're, we're definitely going to touch on that. Uh, but as well, it's also going to be, again, knowing your audience and knowing what me in that audience, you know, if I were, if I'm going to read this, I, I want, as an audience, I want to see the hack and slash stuff. That's, you know, for this story, that's what I want. Um, but I also like that, the, that we can go deeper with it. We can get into the introspection on the nature of evil and the nature, you know, what the nature of evil in man and, and human, humankind. Um, but so, as, as I said, we're, we're targeting to have the actual comic out in uh, early 2021. We're actually on September 9th, 2020, we're launching an Indiegogo campaign, which is basically a crowdfunding funding campaign. What's nice about Indiegogo is that you know, regardless of the amount that we raise, uh, we will be able to create something. And that something is really going to go to paying the artists and paying production costs if we're able to do a print version of the, of the comic. And we're going to create that. And so we will self-publish. Uh, we're not we're not averse to a, you know a major publisher taking interest and picking us up, but you know that's not that's not initially in our our view. Our view is just to create something great that's reverent and respectful and something I, you know I want Metallica. I want everyone to enjoy. I want people who've, who've even never heard a single note of Metallica. But I re- mainly, of course, want Brian Tatler and Sean Harris of Diamond Head, who wrote the original song, to read to read this and say you got it. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they're on board. You know, they've given their blessing. We're not just kind of doing this out of out of the blue. That's great. But I, I will talk just very briefly about, about our team. We have um, an amazing team of artists. I'm, for, one of my collaborators is actually my co-conspirator at MetalAsylum.net. It's a guy named Rich Catino is part of the team. And then as far as artists go, um, Cheyenne Wright is on the project. He's a friend of mine from years back. You know, I know him through podcasting, but he's won major awards. He's won a handful of Hugo Awards. He's an incredible, incredible artist. He made us a wonderful project video. Oh, it's been great. Uh, we've got Richard P. Clark, who has done very high profile work. His, his art has appeared in Sports Illustrated, uh, in Playboy magazine and some of the major publications, as well as done some very high profile comics work. He's worked for basically every, every comics publisher that there is. Uh, James F. Beveridge is uh, he was just nominated for an Aurora Award in Canada. He's a Canadian artist. He's won a bunch of Aurora Awards, and he's really just amazing. He's done our, our cover art, and he's just incredible. And last but absolutely not least is Derek Ma. He's going to be doing most of the interior panel work, and he and I have spent many hours on the phone. He's an incredible artist. He's done a, did a, ser- a pulpy series called Sharkosaurus, and he's also <laughs> done, he's also done a Sherlock Holmes wow. series as well. So yeah, it's really an honor to be working with all of them. They all amaze me. Everything they've shown me has blown me away. And, and this is another thing where it's collaborative. I've, I've learned a lot about the writing process and, and what it means to write comics working with these artists. It's been great. 
let's say you walk into a sixth grade classroom tomorrow with a mask on and you're a guest and you're going to be speaking for 45 minutes about how to do a graphic novel. <laughs> do you start with a story or do you start with images in your head? What, like, what would you tell them about the writing process for a graphic novel? Oh, that's a, that is a great question. Well, I was lucky to have the idea to have the world and the story already fully formed. I didn't have to kind of decide how I was going to start and end so much in this case. But I would say it's really not different, at least in the very, very early stages. It's not different than uh, um, fiction writing. In fact, I know one of the great science fiction cyberpunk novels of all time, Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson, was originally envisioned as a graphic novel and ended up becoming a novel. Uh, I think just generally you start with the idea and then uh, it's a matter of finding the right people to collaborate with and and you know, just learning the best ways for writers and artists to communicate once once you go forward from there. But yeah, I would say the, the very first thing I would say is make sure you have the idea and make sure you understand the idea and the world and and of course, you can change these things mid-flight. You're not stuck with anything until it's actually out and published. But you know, you just make sure you have a good grasp so that once you get going, uh, you're not going to you know end up in a in a dead end or in a corner where you're just not sure how to proceed because it's something you had not anticipated. So, would you think to yourself, "Oh, I have this great story, but I don't I don't know whether it's a graphic novel. Maybe it's a podcast because I could see doing three seasons of this thing. <laughs> Do you look at your story and then decide what media you want it to be in or do you start knowing it's going to be a graphic novel? Right, another another excellent question. I think generally most writers kind of have even the, even the writers who have dabbled in multiple areas, I think they generally have an idea. I mean, and my default is uh, is is just straight prose fiction. Uh, that's my default. But you're right. I mean, it could become a narrative poem. It could become uh, a short, it could become a screenplay for, you know, an independently made film or, or into Hollywood. I mean, you're right. You have to, you have to kind of decide. And I think early on, and I've also, this is another thing I've, I've heard it, not, I cited a famous for a famous uh, instance, but, you know, I know I've talked to artist friends who've done the same thing where something has started out in one form and they've converted. And I think early on, I mean, you can do that, of course, at any time. You could be complete and go back and say, I've decided that my 200,000 word epic novel is actually a screenplay and go back and, and rewrite it or convert it. But I think early on in the process, that's the time when you can do that. But I, I would say right. as a writer, you know, as I said, kind of the, uh, earlier on, you don't ever want to be, to feel frustrated or you know, it never should never feel daunting. Uh, so I'd say just I would say you, you, you kind of almost trust your instincts or your, trust your intuition on that when you get started. Uh, go with what seems best. But yeah, it's probably a good idea from the get-go once you've maybe written up some notes on your story to decide at least to commit to a format before you begin. Yeah, because you don't want to waste time. But at the same time, it could it could morph into something else. I mean, this podcast started as, hey, maybe I should write a book. And then I realized I had so much stuff to say and so many people to interview. I'm like, this is a podcast. <laughs> I mean, it didn't it didn't help that I was listening to a zillion podcasts, but I mean, it, it definitely, I'm like, there's no way I can get all of this into a book. There's a flow of creativity, but then at some point you have to make a decision. <laughs> right. But I'll also, I'll say really quickly, you know, if, and when you do eventually write your book, the, the, all of your experience here have helped and contributed to, to that. So, or if you never, you know, if you decide never to do that, or if you decide to make the movie of the teacher as <laughs> <laughs> all these things help. So I think there's, that's the other thing to take away from that. Absolutely. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to talk about in regards to your writing work or should we move on to the favorite movie question? 
as as a writer, of course, writers love to talk, and you know, you probably can relate as a teacher, at least, at least on that front. Uh, you know, we love to talk about the craft and the uh, and you know ideas and that kind of thing. I, I've also, as I alluded earlier, there was I took a long time where I had to, to step away from it, and I, I basically never never gave up on it. So you know, don't worry if if you run into roadblocks or or any anything, they can always be temporary. You can always get back to it, and this is not like high end athletics. You know, you can always sit down at your typewriter or your computer or whatever we're going to be writing with 20 years from now. So if you're not able to get to it today, you can, you can always get back to it. So don't, don't be too discouraged if, you know, if you're not finding that you don't have the bandwidth or the time right now, it will come, it will come back that you'll find the opportunities or, or the muse will strike so hard that you'll find yourself up at 4am still working on it one night. It is. It's a passion when it, when it, when it strikes, it's, it holds you. So what is your favorite movie and why? Well, as you probably could have guessed by now, I can't, I'll never commit to just one. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll say, you know, my, my probably one of my oldest memories in the world is sitting in the movie theater in 1977, watching the opening crawl, scroll up the, crawl, crawl up the screen for, uh, for Star, the original Star Wars movie. So that's, <laughs> that's been a part of my life. It's, it's just completely embedded in who I am. I grew up. As I said, that's that's one of my oldest, if not my oldest, memory is sitting in the theater in 1977 watching Star Wars, and you know the toys were a big part of my childhood, and, and the movies, you know, the original three movies, were huge, huge events, and so it's it's just hard to I'm too it's too enmeshed in who I am and and how I grew up. I know George Lucas has taken a lot of lumps over the years and a lot of criticism, a lot of backlash, and you know and over things other things he's done, but I'll always defend. The original three movies, I think, are really well written. They're really just very clever, very creative, and just, you know, basically smashed everything we knew about movies. And Oh, yeah. So much. But yeah, and I, I just love uh, just also how real the characters are. I love the fact that, you know, they're, that's not necessarily a bad thing to have very cool and suave superheroes. But, so, you know, if, if James Bond, for example, were to end up in a trash compactor that was crushing in on him, he would be very cool and suave and find a smooth way out and he wouldn't even break a sweat. <laughs> but I love that, you know, in Star Wars, the three of them lend up in there and they all start yelling at each other <laughs> and blaming each other. Yep. Because that's, that's very real. Um, and I, I just think it's, it's great. It's just, it makes it, you know, as a three-year-old, I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> but looking back on it now, I just watched it not that long ago with my, my daughter. And I just, I, again, always react to just how relatable it is and just, you know, just what an amazing piece of work it is. Yeah, that little... That little film. <laughs> yeah, this little indie film yeah. from the 70s. <laughs> yeah, my, my very favorite of all time is Jaws, which was at that same time period. Yeah. Good, good stuff, good stuff. Right, and they come, from, right, they come from the same place, too. Just yeah. great, solid. Yeah, and of course, John Williams is the, is the main link. Amazing. How can people reach you to learn more about your work? Well, yeah, there, <laughs> there are a bunch of ways, but the, for Am I Evil... There's a website, which is amievil-graphicnovel.com. Uh, there's an Am I Evil graphic novel Facebook page, which I would encourage everyone to go out and take a look at. We also do have Instagram and Twitter, but Facebook is where we're primarily uh, at work. Uh, I'm also involved with metalasylum.net, the Metal Hall of Fame, which is metalhalloffame.org. I do have my own website, but uh, it's mainly kind of a gathering place for people. I don't post a whole lot of news and info there occasionally, but that's just jackmangan.com um, but you can also friend me on facebook i uh yeah i that's probably those are probably the best ways 
to learn about more about me and more about Am I Evil, which as I said, you know, Am I Evil is not the only thing I'm working on or will ever do again, but that's at the forefront of my mind. That's what is really exciting for me right now. And, and I'm really excited to see that, you know, this come to, you know, its, its next steps. That's really exciting. And I'm also hoping that some teachers out there, um, I don't know whether it's maybe ninth grade through 12th grade might have some metalheads and might be reaching out to you to get ideas of how to reach them in writing classes. Oh, I would love to talk to more teachers. Yeah. If you have questions about, about any of this stuff, about, about music or about music writing, by all means, please feel free to contact me, uh, but through any of the ways I mentioned. Pretty awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time out to talk to me. Thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. If you enjoyed this episode and have not done so already, please hit the subscribe button for the Teacher As podcast so you can get future episodes. I would love for you to leave a review and a rating as well if you have time. For my blog, transcripts of this episode, and links to any resources mentioned, visit my website at www.theteacheras.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Melissa B. Milner. And I hope you check out the Teacher As Facebook page for episode updates. I am sending a special thanks to Linda and Lester Fleischman, my mom and dad, for being so supportive. They are the voices you hear in the Zooming In soundbite. And my dad composed and performed the background music you are listening to right now. My intro music was Upbeat Party by Scott Holmes. So what are you Zooming In on? I would love to hear from you. My hope is that we all share what we are doing in the classroom in order to teach, remind, affirm, and inspire each other. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap.